0: Welcome to the Six-Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it. Saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez.
1: Welcome back to another week of the six-figure roadmap, everyone. This week, I had the pleasure of interviewing Mrs. Rachel Peterson, the queen of social media. She's literally an expert on every social media platform. She's delighted in empowering businesses with social media strategies that support massive needle-moving growth. And she teaches busy parents like her how to find freedom by becoming successful social media managers without sacrificing things that matter most, including family, friends, and their dreams. This is an amazing interview. Rachel is just full of wisdom and energy. We talk a lot about her social media strategies, her content creation strategies, how to show up as an effective leader, an authentic personality, and just a lot of different things that will definitely help you and your business. So be sure to tune in for this episode. It's going to be amazing. And if you don't already know who Rachel Peterson is, you are for sure going to know her and fall in love with her after you hear her speak today. Guys, a lot of change has been happening in my life. I didn't... Release an episode last week. I don't know if you noticed or not, but due to all the change, I am in search of somebody to help me with the production of the podcast, meaning editing the podcast, chopping up all the ums and buts and love it, love it, love it's that I say all the time after someone gets done speaking. So if that's you and you're interested in learning how to produce a podcast, how the sound quality works, how I go about interviewing, questions I ask, all the different pieces that go into um, releasing a new episode, please reach out to me. You can email me at Cameron at LVRG.it. You can message me on Facebook or any other social platform. And just let me know that you're interested in learning how to produce a podcast. You're interested in helping me continue to release episodes on the show because due to the changes, uh, my time is becoming more limited and I need some help. So if that's you, please reach out, get in contact with me and let's make some magic happen. Until then, please enjoy this interview with Mrs. Rachel Peterson. Welcome back to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap, everyone. I'm here with Mrs. Rachel Peterson. I'm so excited to have her. It's been a long time coming. I remember a little over two years ago, our first interview together was for an article series I was doing, and I had no intention of doing anything with articles other than just like building relationships and meeting cool people, and she just happened to be one of those people, and now she's back on the podcast And has done some amazing things since then that she's going to share with you guys. And hopefully you can walk away with some stuff to implement yourself. So welcome back to the show, Rachel.
0: Cam, thanks for having me. I'm excited.
1: Yes, yes, me too. Do you remember the first six figures you ever made as an entrepreneur?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, so I started my business about four, I'm coming up on four years, Um, just, I think this or next month and my first full year of business, we just about cracked six figures. And for me, that was so crazy. Cause I think like they always tell you in corporate, like the Holy grail is hitting six figures. You know, if you make six figures in corporate, you're like banking it, you know? And I just remember thinking it was the craziest thing that someone with no college degree could make six figures without following a corporate path.
1: Yeah, it's, it's such an amazing thing to accomplish no matter what you're doing. As an entrepreneur, in a career path, we it's something that we really care about in our business, hitting that first six-figure benchmark. And I'm sure that you know this and have heard this too. It's like getting there is the hardest part. And then after that, it's really just, you got to just duplicate a few things and you're kind of on your way to the next goal, Seven, eight, nine. Um, obviously you have to build a team and stuff like that. But the first six figures to a lot of people is, especially when leaving your job, which so many people, you know, foresee themselves doing in order to become an entrepreneur or build that, that stream of income for themselves. It seems so daunting. What would you say to those people that to, and you actually just made a video about this. So it's, it's kind of perfect timing. What would you say to those people to help them conquer whatever's holding them back from getting there?
0: Well, there's a couple different things. Um, I want to share one thing that was so funny for me on my journey to the first six figures. And it was this idea, like if I failed, that we were going to end up like in our car, absolutely desolate, no house. I wasn't going to be able to feed my kids. I just had this like horrible picture of what would happen if it didn't work. And the funny thing is that like, I believe so strongly that you can face fear with facts and my husband would always make this point. He'd say, Rachel, we're not going to end up like homeless because your business doesn't succeed. You'll go get another job. And I remember being like, oh yeah, I forgot that was even an option, but I would still forget it. Like almost every week I'd be like, oh my gosh, if this doesn't work, we're going to end up homeless. And he'd be like, no, you'll go get a job. And for some reason that like kept freaking me out. And I didn't realize it's actually really simple. Either you succeed or you just go get a job. And so it's funny because the fear, even though it's it's hard and it's challenging to hit your first six figures, um, the fear isn't rational. It's all in our heads because we've been so led to believe that the safe path is the safety net with the corporate gig. And so the first six are the hardest because you're breaking through all this irrational fear and that's totally normal. But beyond that, you start realizing I'm capable of so much more.
1: Yeah, that's incredible words of advice. Something that people need to hear more of for sure. We had Julie Stoyan on not too long ago and she was talking about all the ways that she helps people build a service-based business and other things that they can do to generate that income. You do that every day. You're helping single moms, you're helping first-time entrepreneurs, you're helping, you know, two, three-year veterans still get to that point. What are you specifically helping them accomplish either in their current business or create to get to that benchmark?
0: Great question. So we have two different businesses. We have a digital marketing agency where we work with clients that are already established, but then in the side that you're describing, that's the education side where I teach people how to get either their first or their next client. And we always start with social media just because it's a really easy hook. It's a great way to get your feet wet, learn the marketing, learn um, how all the different pieces come together. But then beyond social media, I really support people who work with clients and i support them in overcoming their own limitations that's actually bigger than getting clients i actually here's kind of a funny news flash for everyone so many people are focused on how do i get a client how do i get a client how do i get a client and they seem to think like clients are hard to get they're actually everywhere there there's so many clients you wouldn't even believe it but it's oftentimes our own limitations for example a lack of systems a lack of accountability um hitting limiting beliefs and mindset issues, but it's not just about mindset. It's about how do I scale a team? How do I um, build a business that can sustainably grow without me losing my mind? And so one of the big things I start with, um, all of my clients on, on that side of the business is building a business by design, meaning a business that doesn't run your life. So my, one of my big like values is family. And so I'm never going to say, build your business, hustle 24 seven, forget your family. You can come back to them in a few years. Cause I don't necessarily believe that that's true. So building a business by design makes sure that the things you value are at the forefront of building your business.
1: That's such an exciting vision for someone to have, to build a business by design, as you call it, to, you know, work as a kind of like an ATM, right? You're building it to pull money out of. Once you get it to a certain place, you're building it to put food on the table, Provide for your family. What are some things that you're you're telling these people to implement that allow them to to build that type of business?
0: Great question. There's a couple different things. We use a variety of. Um frameworks and the first one is getting super clear on what your business by design means for you. And the reason that there's no set like, here's how you build a business for every single person is because each person values different things in their life, meaning some people value their autonomy of time. Other people are like, I don't care if I have to work 80 hours a week to build this. I'm comfortable doing that and then recognizing you might only have time for family and business. That's how I kind of operate. It's family and business and that's just about it. Um, So that's one of the very first frameworks we bring into play. The second framework we bring into play is the 100K Blueprint, which is a series of tools and toolkits that support you in actually finding clients and attracting clients that are aligned with your same. So you don't end up with clients that are crazy or demanding or insane or um, you know just not on the side of the spectrum that you want to work with based on your own life and business. Uh, so the 100K Toolkit is one of my favorite things because it provides like 12 different tools that you can literally tap into any one of them to secure a client. It's almost like on demand, which is crazy. One is actually called Clients on Demand, and so that's one of the parts um, that we focus on. But then we also focus on excellence, and I think this is a step in the recipe that is oftentimes missed. And that is actually delivering excellence. What does it look like to advance your skill set and really dive into things that move the needle, not just for your business, but for your client's businesses. So excellence is a huge thing that I capitalize on and really push for everyone. I'm not I'm not scared to say to someone, hey, listen, the reason you're losing all your clients is because your skills kind of suck right now. We got to be honest about this. you got to take it to the next level in order for you to retain your clients. So we do a really deep dive into all of the steps of the recipe, but there are certain things. I love that you have the six-figure roadmap um, because there is kind of a roadmap to success. It's just all of us are going to have different vehicles that get us there.
1: I love the excellence part. Especially being in the world of, you know, marketing agencies and advertising agencies for so long, first you start out with not having the right tools. I mean, there's so much information out there. It's kind of hard to develop a proper framework and actually learn how you deliver for your clients. Mm -hmm. And then you're exposed to a world of other people who are dealing with the same problems, who they might be great at getting clients. They might be great at selling and playing the part. But when it comes to delivery, they're not so great at it. How do we help the people listening avoid that trap? Because it's so, so common.
0: I will say that one of the things that is so tough, and this has been like a balance. I think this is... It's funny because, you know, you hear Gary Vee say, like, I'm a walking contradiction. And I didn't used to understand what that meant. Um, But then I started to realize, like, you can be strong and soft and you can be um, intense and nurturing. Like, you can be both things. Uh, And so what I kind of discovered is that when it comes to feedback, you have to be, like, tough because it's going to hurt if you're not careful but at the same time, you actually have to listen to some feedback. And so all feedback that I get, does it hurt? Uh, It can, but I make sure that I'm in a good place and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna dive into the feedback and see where is there actually something I can extract from this feedback and make things better. And so that's been one of the more painful processes I've really gone through over and over and over again. We actually put them all into folders, all of the feedback, all the negative feedback. And when I'm in a place where I can handle it, because that's not every single day, I dive into the folder and say, okay, where is there um, a pattern? Are people saying that they don't like how this is presented because it feels cheap? How can we improve that for the future so that it feels incredible? Um, And so really taking inventory of the feedback you're getting and recognizing, okay, there's a pattern here. Everyone says my onboarding feels disjointed. So if I'm hearing that over and over again, the chances are there's some truth in it. And even though, yes, it might sting in the moment, I can create a plan so that I never again hear that by improving my onboarding process.
1: Hmm. So consistently doing research with your clients, with your customers, getting feedback from them. Correction. Oh yeah,
0: absolutely. And sometimes the best feedback comes from people who leave as hard as that is. Every time a client leaves, you want to be like, good riddance, good. I'm so glad you're gone. I never want to talk to you again. But the truth is if you hop on an exit interview or have someone else do it, if you can't handle that level of, uh, brutal honesty, there's something really powerful about hearing what went wrong and hearing kind of the feedback. And it also gives you a really beautiful close relationship, meaning you're able to close out the relationship on a good note and say, I'm so sorry, I wasn't able to serve you the way that you expected. I'd love to hear how can I make this better so that I can improve things for the future. And sometimes you'll actually win back clients with these.
1: That, that is great advice. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times like a customer or client has left and you're wondering why, but you don't ask because of that. It's, it's that confidence that you don't have in the moment and you don't really want to hear why they're leaving. So that's, that's very, very valuable for everyone listening. What is your philosophy around building meaningful relationships with people?
0: It's a good question. I think it's funny that you asked Marley that because she's literally one of the best I've ever met at relationships. Like, she is so good at making people feel really special. Um, like, every person she meets, she's really good at that. Um, granted, she's a little shyer than I am or a little more reserved. Uh, I like to be very in the moment with relationships. So I'm not as good at like planning things out as she is, but every time that someone meets me or says like, hey, I heard this and that, um, this interview, I wanna take a moment and stop and really listen to them. And that means not looking around to see who else is, you know, in the room, not looking over here and thinking about the next thing that I wanna do or the next person I wanna talk to. It's really slowing things down and being super intentional with each interaction. Now I am a little different than some entrepreneurs in that I focus on two things and that is business and my family. And that's it. Um, once in a while I have time for like friendships, but honestly that isn't my priority while my babies are young. And I know that sounds really harsh and people are like, what do you mean? That's not your priority. You can't, you can't have everything as a priority. So when I am Interacting with people, I'm like, how can I make this person feel really, really important and listened to and valued?
1: How important do you think that is for the growth of your business?
0: Oh, it's everything. It is everything. I cannot tell you how many amazing things have happened, um, how many opportunities have been opened just by being really intentional. Wherever I am, I try to be there 100%. That's super important. I've also heard of a lot of people losing opportunities because they're like, I met this person and it just felt like they were excited to get it over with. And one really interesting example of this is we recently had our event, BossCon, and there was almost 200 people live in person in Minnesota of all places. And at the end of the event, there was a time for autographs and photos. And I looked at the line and this line was almost 100 people long. And each person was gonna come up and obviously like, It wasn't just let's take a photo, let's autograph and get done with. It took us over an hour to get through this line. I think it might've been an hour and a half because every single person who came up, I wanted to just be super intentional about connecting with them, hearing their like, Oh my gosh, from the event. And so even though it took a long time and I felt the pressure of like, Oh my gosh, all these people are waiting in line to take photos. Like we should probably go. Cause they're going to be impatient. I was like, when they get up and they get that moment of intentionality, they're going to be like, that was worth the wait versus us flying through a line and it taking 30 minutes. They're like, that wasn't worth the wait. She just took a picture and I was off, you know, like it didn't mean anything. I've heard of people losing out on huge opportunities and losing respect because they rushed. um, They're not just their fans, but their potential business associates their potential friends. And so I really believe so strongly that it's brought a lot of opportunities to me.
1: When did you start to grow your personal brand at a like rapid pace? And then like, how do you continue to maintain that over time?
0: That's such a good question. Um, I think we started to grow it about two years ago is when it started to pick up. And then over the last years, when we really picked up steam. We did an experiment called 60 days to a million followers just to see what would happen. And I had no idea what was going to happen. And we ended up, um, we got just about to 600,000 followers uh, across several platforms. And so in 60 days, we grew by 220,000 followers. So that was a pretty like rapid uh, growth. I will say that there's a lot, there are a lot of challenges behind it that I didn't expect. And a lot of it comes from me truly caring about people, not caring what people think, but I never want someone to leave an interaction with me saying, wow, she was so short and rude and whatever. And like, you tell she didn't care. And that becomes increasingly challenging the more followers you get. And there are so many times where I'm like, I can't get to all these messages. Even with a team, we can't get to all the messages. And I try my best, but blah, Cam, okay, like, it's so, I get so scared. I'm like, what happens the day where we just have to say we can't keep up? Like, are, is, are people going to think I don't care? Um, and so it, it becomes this big, like balancing act of how much can we invest into every single conversation? Cause some days there are several hundred messages on each platform. Um, How do we keep it up? But I guess the the biggest realization I've had is, I don't know, we'll get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there, you know? And maybe one person I've watched who does this really well is Taylor Swift. She does such a great job. You know that with millions and millions of followers, there's no way she can keep up with everything. But she does such a great job of taking select fans and bringing them behind the scenes and so deeply investing into them. Like, have you heard of her little lover meetups? they're interesting so they're called lover meetups and like she'll go and surprise like 10 or 15 fans at an apartment that's all decked out with her gear and they all have like just hundreds and hundreds of dollars worth of valuable exclusive merchandise. And she'll sing her songs with them and they would dance party and they drink champagne and eat like pizza. And I was like, this is so cool because she found a way to so deeply invest into certain people that when those people share everything on social media, everyone else feels like they had that super special experience. And I also think about Oprah who did, you know, the the Christmas giveaways, Oprah's favorite things. And suddenly people would freak out and everyone who watched the show felt as though they were getting that same experience. And so I hope to be able to honestly implement that as we grow. Um, But I do try to be very real on social media because I'm still a mom. There are days where I wake up with like a zit on my face and I'm like, great, we're on video. That's awesome. Um, Or we're recording (laughs) all day. But it just, that is what it is. You know, that's who I am.
1: Okay. I have like three questions. <laughs> <out of that. laughs> so the first one, so I, I want to, to, to preface the people listening, I want to get to how you manage your, you know, mind, body, spirit, and emotion, just everything through rapid growth of fans and your business and everything like that. So I want to get to that. That's coming. Okay. But first I want to get tactical on how you started building your personal brand because And then the second question out of that is you, I know that you're creating all your content. I know you're uploading all your content. Of course you have a team that's doing the graphics and stuff, but how did you begin to build your personal brand and how do you continue to find the time to develop authentic content?
0: Ooh, really good questions. Okay. So the tactical side of it there's a weird leap that happens and it's a leap of faith when you want to build your personal brand. And I have spent so much time researching how do I grow each platform? So when I did the 60 days to a million followers experiment, the biggest thing that I wanted was that I did the majority of the growth. I did almost all of it, except for Instagram, because I don't like Instagram. I'm just, just being honest. That's my least favorite platform and probably will always be. Uh, but I did all the other platforms. And so, I'm, of course, I'm sitting there. I'm like, what are the latest tactics? What are the latest techniques? And everyone who had a tactic, it was like stupid. Like, get a bot that might get your account banned and go buy this and this and this and then the social proof. And I was like, dang it. I wish there was an easier answer. Like, and that was one of my biggest takeaways from this 60 days experiment. I was so frustrated that there wasn't like a step one, do this, step two, do this, step three, and your personal brand will grow. But to be fair, that's why not everybody grows their personal brand. There's this leap of faith that occurs when you have to just start putting content out there and building relationships on social and you're like, is this going to work? Am I going to grow? And every single time that I go through that push of like, let's grow again, I'm like, okay, I got to go on YouTube and discover, like, how do I grow my brand? But it always comes back to the same few things. And I know this is going to be frustrating because people are like, but these aren't the tactics I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I wish that there were all these tactics. There kind of is, but there's just like, you have to find ways to repackage the truth. So there's basically the things that frustrated me so much are the truth. It's giving value. And I don't mean like putting like little flashy things out there, like little stats or facts. It's like deeply... Investing into your content, putting your heart into it, Um, really thinking, how can I serve someone today with my content? And every time I do that, I'm seriously blown away, Cam, because I'll put that content out there and my following grows. And I'm like, dang it, there's no shortcut. I mean, there are shortcuts, but they're not long lasting. And so every time that I go really deep with my content and serve, my following grows. And I'm like, ah, I wish there was an easier way, but there isn't. So that's one part of it. Another part of it is really engaging with people. So we do our best to reply to every single comment. Um, If it's a personal account of mine, I do it all. So if it's my own profile, there's no way I can keep up because I need to have a team that's like, hey, Rachel, this needs your response. This needs your response so I can go in. But I try to reply to every single message and every single comment all the time, whether it's me or an extension of me through my team. And that makes a huge difference so that people don't feel like they're just talking to someone on a platform that will never listen. So those are the things that keep coming up over and over again. It's so frustrating, but there's this leap of faith. And really what it comes down to is putting out content that's good enough that people can't ignore you anymore.
1: Interesting. I saw a post that, it might've been an ad. I don't remember, but you were saying that you, no, it was an email. You were saying you write all your own emails Mm -hmm. and you still continue to do that to this day. Mm -hmm are you doing the same thing with your content? Like I'm just (laughs) like the people listening in my mind, I'm like, gosh, I want to write my own emails and I want to record my own videos all the time. And I want to write my own posts on Facebook and Twitter and do TikTok videos and stuff like that. But, oh my gosh, it just seems so daunting to do all the things. But then I hear people like, we had John Lee Dumas on the show and he's like, yeah, I batch all my content. I'll spend eight hours to just build all that out. Do you recommend doing that too? Do you have things stacked up to,
0: to release? Great question. So this comes back to, I guess, what was part two of your first question about how do I find the time? So I don't think you'll ever find time for anything. I really, truly make time for it. And I was reading, um, I don't have the book down here, but I was reading a series of books from like the greats in copywriting. Um, I was reading like Ben Settle's big business book or big book of business volume one, big black book of business. Uh, I was reading Dan Kennedy's books. And I started to realize like, I truly am in charge of my time. And I'm not saying that I will forever create all of my content, but all of my messaging will always come from me. And that is because I know exactly what I'm supposed to talk about, how to serve my audience. I dive deep and do a lot of research. Uh, it wasn't until the last few months that I started writing all of my emails at the pace that we're writing them. So I write now three to five emails a week, which is a lot, but I started to realize if I don't have time to nurture with my incredible, like value posts and my emails, what am I doing running a business? Um, So that was really interesting. And it was something that I started to realize was a huge priority priority to me was creating my videos. It was writing my emails. Now the actual how to of producing stuff that can be handed off, but the actual messaging, the heart of it. You can't give that to someone else because it's not their job to understand the mission the way that you do and who you want to serve. So whether you record a video and have your team create all of your content off of that, or you write an email and have your team create all of your content off of that, I do know that I create all of my content with the exception of Instagram right now, um, but that is still derived from my content, which is so crazy to me. It is totally possible. It takes about an hour or two per day, and I've made that. A a priority every single day.
1: Amazing. So time blocking is big, big part. Time blocking of, of is that. big.
0: And yeah, the whole t- uh, John Lee Dumas, I went down to uh, Puerto Rico and had dinner with him and Kate, and they were awesome. Mm. We we're talking about batching, and he loves batching. I wish I could say that I love it. Um, I'm, I do batch sometimes. I batch some content for my Facebook page and Twitter. And I'll just sit down more like Netflix binging our shows every night like we do. And I'll sit there and batch all the content because it's easy for me to batch. Um, but when it comes to like shooting videos and stuff, I don't batch very well. Um, I do better at like shooting them as we go, as I'm inspired. But that's something I want to see if I can really experiment with and see if I can batch my YouTube videos and my video content. I just, I don't know yet. We'll see on that.
1: <laughs> love it. Love it. It's, it's, I'm grateful to know that you're human. I appreciate mm-hmm. the responses back. Um, always, it's always authentic with you. And I know that your content is really you, which I love as well. So, um, last question before we do uh, some, some rapid fire questions. I'm super curious about the other side of this kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. like what you deal with outside of what everyone else sees when you're creating content. How do you manage your emotions? What work do you do on yourself? And Mm -hmm. how do you maintain stability in your own self when things
0: go awry? great questions. So this all kind of comes back to like the mind, body, spirit connection, um, that you were hinting at wanting to ask about. So I, this, uh, okay, we're going to fast, uh, rewind to like earlier this year, I went through the greatest business challenge I've ever been through and the details of it don't matter as much. Um, except that going through that experience pushed me to, the deepest depths I had been in, in my business, like the lowest lows. Um, it reopened a lot of like childhood core wounds and all of these fears I had and always thinking I wasn't good enough. It, those doubts had crept in before, but this was like in your face, every single fear, every single doubt I ever had was all opened at once. And it was like, That was really, really hard. And so during that time, I decided it was time to start like really dealing with those thoughts and saying like, you know, you know, when like kids are little and you're like, oh, we're going to grab the monster spray and spray it. So the monsters go away um, tonight. It's more like, no, we're going to do like an exorcism (laughs) of your room so that there are no monsters left, you know, no more of those bad thoughts. And so I dove really deep into it. And my why was so great because like I was bawling my face off every single day and s- sitting here like thinking I'm never going to be good enough. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. That was the only time I didn't necessarily consider giving up on the business, but I was very close to it. And so I literally was like, there's no other way but to find something bigger. And so that's when I started diving into what does it look like to actually take care of myself? What does it look like to heal truly, to forgive people, to face my own inadequacies? What does it mean to take ownership? And so I really dove into so many different books, um, a few different books that were really helpful for me. The first half of David Goggins' uh, Can't Hurt Me was really good. I loved Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. And then I started to dive into books like "Happy Pocket Full of Money" by David. I think it's David Cameron Gakandi um, and that book was incredible for me and so I just started diving into these books and I was like i the answer isn't about this situation here today; this is about our future and everything moving forward if I want to be happy and not a sobbing mess on the floor and so what I kind of derived from that was that every morning I need to pour into myself first. And that means facing what went right, what went wrong yesterday, what could go better? How can I improve myself by 1%? What are my top three priorities? Um, I pour into myself spiritually, physically, physically, mentally, emotionally every single morning before I get up to serve everyone else. And so my morning routine, almost every single morning, I say almost because I'm human. Um, There are days where I'm like, oh my gosh, this bed feels amazing. Um, And so I start out, I wake up I do meditation. Uh, I really like Michael Sealy on YouTube. I find his meditations amazing and I always come out with incredible answers. I do a little bit of a physical workout and by that I mean really light. Like I'll do a little yoga and that's kind of nice just to get my blood moving. But my bigger workouts come in the evening when I'm super energized because even though I wake up early now, I'm not a morning person. Um, I do a little bit of journaling. I also write down all of my um, priorities and like what I'm grateful for, as well as um, how I'm going to make tomorrow better. And then um, from there, I do some reading, get some green juice, water, coffee, spend some time with the family, and then get going on the day.
1: I'm curious. Actually, you just told me, so you're kind of messing up my order of things. <laughs> so I appreciate. <laughs> no, it's okay. I usually it usually starts with what is one. Uh, non-negotiable habit you implement every day, but you just listed all of them. So even better.
0: Um, There's one that I do every single day without fail. Um, So if nothing else happens, I read every single day. Like, And here's one thing I'll share that works for me. Um, So I read fast, but I get really bored if I read the same book. Um, in one sitting, unless I'm on an airplane where there's nothing else to do. So I have at any given time, like 10 books I'm working on. It used to be like five, now it's like 10. So I'll pick up, you know, Breakthrough Advertising and read a chapter in this and think about how I can implement a little bit of it. I'll pick up um, Asking It Is Given by Esther Hicks and read a chapter of this and see what I can implement. I'll pick up Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. I'll pick up Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. So I go back and forth between books, but I probably spend about an hour to three hours every single day reading, non-negotiable. How in the world am I supposed to pour out to people if I'm not filling my brain with new stuff?
1: I love that. Is there a book that sticks out to you that you've read this year or ever that Mm -hmm. you you would recommend to someone?
0: Oh my gosh, Um, the best book I have ever read is okay. So I have to disclaim before I say it: the title and the cover of the book. Sound so incredibly lame. The book looks lame. Like, if I could do one thing, I would contact the author and be like, Can I please help you get a new title for this book and a new cover? Because it doesn't do it justice. Like, I put off reading it for months and months and months because I was like, This looks so stupid. And you'll hear it when I say the title, you'll be like, Yep, Happy Pocket Full of Money. And the cover is like flowers and like a sky and it sounds so lame, but this book gave me some of the most profound shifts I have ever had in my life. Like it literally was just life-changing. I love this book so much. Happy pocket full of money.
1: Awesome. That book is amazing. Have you read it? <laughs> it's right over there.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. So like, I, you know, the title and the cover looks stupid. Yep. Yeah. It is so good. Like I wish I could give every single person a copy of it.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's an incredible book. Incredible book. Mm-hmm. Look, inside of your business, are there some tools and software you couldn't live without?
0: Yeah, yeah. Google Docs and Google Drive. I literally run almost our whole business on Google Docs. Um, my team finds it so funny. Like I can communicate in a Google Doc better than anyone. Um, I literally. Type everything into a Google Doc. And even like my students know that. They know everything starts as a Google Doc. I love Google Docs to pieces. Um, I also really like Slack for communication. Though with my team, I use Facebook Messenger, which is kind of funny. I love Facebook Messenger. Um, We're about to dive into Trello where we've got someone building it out. And I have this really strong gut feeling that's about to become a tool I can't live without like ever. Um, And Canva. Canva. I love Canva to pieces. So everything I like is actually really cheap. Isn't that kind of funny, actually? It's all cheap or free. I love all those yeah. tools.
1: Yeah, no, that's amazing. That's, it's a great place to start for, for everyone listening. Like, honestly, <laughs> those tools, everybody should have. <laughs>
0: yep. yep.
1: For sure. Do you have any last words of advice for the people listening?
0: One of the best things I've ever learned is just to listen to your gut. So if you have a gut feeling that you're supposed to go and you're supposed to get something going and you're supposed to contact someone or you're supposed to reach out or you're supposed to close a client or you're supposed to start your website or you're supposed to... Those gut feelings you have aren't there for an for no reason. They're not there on accident. Those really strong gut feelings are indications of something that you're meant to do. And so don't hesitate. Just listen to it. The faster you learn to listen to your gut feeling the faster you're going to discover, like honestly, happiness and bliss in building your business.
1: Intuition. So good. One of the greatest things we've ever been gifted as humans. Amen. Yes. Rachel, where can everyone go to just... Join everything you've got going on because once they get to one place, they're never escaping.
0: (laughs) It's actually true. You're going to see me everywhere all the time. Um, So the easiest place to find like everything is my website, rachelpeterson.com, all E's and a D in my last name. And there we link to all my social media, all my content, all my programs, at least the ones that are open right now. Everything you could ever want to know is all on my website.
1: Amazing. rachelpeterson.com, guys, I will put that in the show notes on the episode link, very easy to find. I highly encourage you guys to go check it out. There's a lot of amazing tools and resources for you guys, but just be careful because you're probably going to become a customer
0: first. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I hope I've got some really good stuff coming out soon.
1: Ah, so exciting. <laughs> Rachel, thank you so much for for your time and your wisdom and your energy today. It's been amazing. I really appreciate it. For sure.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Cam.
1: Yes, absolutely. Guys, I appreciate you guys tuning in for another week of the Six Figure Roadmap. I hope you learned something amazing today that you can implement into your own business. Cheers, everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it.